This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Welcome. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast show with Andrea and Alice. Our community is made up of so many amazing and diverse groups of people, as are the programs on Joy 94.9. There is something there for everyone. A Little Pot of Joy is where we highlight just some of these amazing programs. We would like to show our respect and acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land, of elders past and present of the Kulin Nation, whose land we are broadcasting from. And we're opening the evening with a podcast from Pets Aloud, Heroic Animals. We often see stories of animals being rescued by by compassionate human beings. However, from time to time, we see stories where it's actually our animals that do the rescuing. And on this super cute edition of Pets Aloud, the team celebrate the heroic acts of our companion animals. So if you can't listen to the show live, podcasts are available for download from the Joy website, joy.org.au forward slash pets aloud. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Here on Pets Aloud with the team from the Lost Dogs Home, Kevin and Kristen here with you today. Uh, look, many of us believe that our dogs and cats are wonderful, and it's often true. They are fun, smart, and loyal to their forever families. Our pets are fun to be around and play a special role in our hearts. But when the situation calls for it, some dogs and cats go above and beyond the call of duty, showing considerable loyalty and bravery. Now, on today's show, we are taking a look and celebrating just some of the pets who have performed extraordinary acts to protect and save those around them. The first story we have is of Danielle and Tasman. So I was so amazed when I first uh, heard about this story. I actually saw it uh, on TV. So Danielle uh, was a world-class athlete living over in the US. Uh, And so she used to quite regularly go for jogs or runs with her dog Tasman, uh, who was nicknamed Taz. And so back in 2006, they set off together for a run, uh, I believe it was in Utah, uh, in yeah, in 2006, uh, and like all was going well to begin with, and then Danielle uh, slipped over on an icy patch, and she fell 50 to 60 feet down to the canyon uh, onto a ledge. Um, so obviously, as you can imagine, with a fall that big, she was quite injured. She wasn't able to get up or, or barely even able to move as well, uh, and the pain was excruciating for her. Um, so not being able to stand, she was dragging herself along the ground and having to drink water out of puddles, basically just to keep herself alive. Um, but she did have her dog, Taz, there by her side, and he proved to be such a loyal companion throughout that time for her. So the nights were very long and cold, and Danielle was at serious risk of of getting frostbite and possibly freezing to death as well. And her dog, Taz, cuddled up to her to help keep her warm, Um, which very much might have been one of the reasons why she did survive. And so she continued to sort of try her best to move as much as she could um, with her injuries. And Taz would sort of run up ahead a bit and then he'd keep coming back just to check on her as well. And she was so moved by that and so, I guess, overwhelmed by the whole situation that obviously, as any person would, she cried a fair bit and Taz would come up to her and lick the tears off her face as well, which I thought was really beautiful and really, really sweet. Yeah. 
Danielle spent, uh, I believe it was two nights and three days out, stuck out in the canyon, barely being able to move uh, until towards the end she she heard an aeroplane overhead and couldn't believe that, that it was true, wasn't sure if she was, you know, imagining it or not, but it was actually an aeroplane. Um, and someone did come to rescue her, so they found her and they got on their little sort of quad bike things and headed out to rescue her. Um, so 52 hours she was she was out there all alone, uh, and the man who rescued her was named Bagos, I believe that's how you pronounce it. And so when he finally reached her, he was crying and Danielle was crying, and Taz was just simply wagging his tail. He did a bit of a, a whimper and a cry of joy, and he licked the face of the man who came to rescue his owner. So uh, Taz actually ran off and managed to find someone. Yeah, he did. So he was the, the one who sort of, they, they spotted her in the plane, but then he ran and they sort of followed him on their quad bikes. They followed yeah. him and he led them to, to Danielle. That's fantastic. Now, uh, Danielle and Taz's story is one of many stories about companion animals uh, performing heroic acts. Now, imagine if you're trapped in the snow with no protection from the elements. The cold is starting to set in and you begin to worry that no one will ever find you. And then all of a sudden, your dog comes along and leads you to rescue. Now, a few of these stories are coming out of America, obviously, but uh, a lot of them do still happen in Australia as well. But this one is from Alabama. So 10-year-old Kyle Camp disappeared from his home in Alabama. He took uh, four very special companions with him. He decided he'd walk out with his dogs. It was his furry friends who ultimately helped lead volunteers to his locations. He has Down syndrome, and it took more than 18 hours from when he left to going missing in the woods to find him safely on a Wednesday morning. Jamie Swinney, who is one of the two searchers who helped find Kyle, said he heard the dogs barking again and followed him down and started hollering for the puppies hollered for the boy and the puppies and they yelled back he was one of hundreds of people many of them strangers who volunteered to search for the boy during a rescue effort that lasted through the night until he was located only about half a mile from home he was wet and barefoot and all officials think that the puppies helped him stay warm overnight um when he was found he just asked if he was all right he said yeah volunteers recall he just wanted to go home so he went out his puppies were there with him and they helped get him back home now the next story is quite a harrowing tale from uh september 11 it is so on the morning of september 11 2001 computer sales manager michael uh, who is blind headed to work uh in his uh, office on the 78th floor of the north tower of the world trade center uh, and as he headed off to work, he took along with him his beloved guide dog, Roselle. So at 8.46am, when a, the tremendous boom rocked the building uh, and screams sort of went throughout the floor, Michael straight away grabbed Roselle's harness, trusting that she would lead him out of danger. And so they navigated their way to the stairwell. And so uh, to get to the ground, they had to walk down more than 1400 steps to reach the lobby and so after about 10 floors it became quite overwhelming with all the noises and the heat and it was just chaos um, and so when a woman actually became quite hysterical and started screaming and panicking and Roselle the dog gave her just a gentle nudge which really helped to, to calm her down and so around the 30th floor, firefighters started heading up the building uh, in the opposite direction and they would give Roselle a little pat along the way. 
And so after about 45 minutes, Michael and Rizal reached the lobby and 15 minutes later they emerged outside into what was a scene of absolute chaos. And the police suddenly yelled for everyone to run as the South Tower began to collapse. So Michael kept a tight grip on Roselle's harness and he, using his voice and, and hand commands, they ran to the street opposite um, as, you know, the noise and debris was falling from the sky. Um, and so in the months that followed, Michael became a spokesperson for Dogs for the Blind, um, which is actually the organisation that trained his dog, Roselle. Uh, so in 2004, Roselle developed a blood disorder and she retired um, from uh, guiding uh, and she passed away in 2011 as well, which she is lead, quite sad. She led a very good life and she was a bit of a saviour, so fantastic Absolutely. work there. Um, the next one is quite an interesting story. So in 1999, Eve and Norman, founders of the Enchanted Forest Wildlife Sanctuary, saved a two-week-old half-wolf, half-German shepherd puppy from a puppy mill. The dog was named Shana, and she grew to 160 pounds, so quite large. But Eve said that the dog trailed her like a little lamb. One October, as the 30s, both of them were 81 years old, mind you, running this uh, rescue animals, they became trapped in a violent snowstorm, and they thought, look, we're, we're in trouble, we're going to die we they don't have coats of gloves shana the dog started burrowing to find them so she started at the house and she dug a 20 foot long tunnel in order to get to them she finally broke through to the snow reached the curled up couple she gave one short bark to say follow me and they she actually dragged them through the tunnel this 20 foot tunnel it took her about two hours to pull them all the way through um they were quite amazed by when the firefighters arrived in the morning just saying we haven't seen anything like this before like a dog that's just managed to build this huge tunnel it took her uh five months for her feet to heal but she um was incredibly to be able to find them and to do that. But of course, it isn't just dogs that are capable of heroic feats. Plenty of cats out there doing remarkable things as well. That's right. And one of them is Smudge the Cat, who uh, rescued his five-year-old owner from bullies who pushed him to the ground while he was playing with his little brother. So Smudge pounced on the chest of one of the boys after he saw... Um, the frightened Ethan, who was his owner, being pushed to the ground outside his home uh, in the UK. So the boy and his friends were so shocked by the tabby cat's actions that they ran away crying, uh, leaving Ethan and his two-year-old brother alone. So their mother was quite surprised um, by the attack and... She, um, Oh, not by the attack, but by... Uh, <laughs> by by Smudge's heroic yeah, actions, you know. <laughs> saving his five-year-old owner. Um, so she actually saw what happened and she she rushed outside and, and saw the cat fly out from under the car and jump onto the boy's chest when he was pushing down her, her son. It just uh, conjures up this incredible image of this cat flying in, you know, with a little cape on the it back. Does, <laughs> to super, protect. Super cat. Super cat. <laughs> but that's absolutely incredible. So, you know, these are only a couple of stories about dogs and cats doing extraordinary things but there's plenty more out there you're on joy 94.9 and this is a little pot of joy with andrea and alice next up is the new daytime program lunchbox each week you can hear some of the best bits from joy's breakfast and drive team shows on the lunchbox with bass and bj so this is a bit funny but lunchbox is a new show on joy which does what we do on a little pot of joy but just for your breakfast and drive shows we actually have been loving hearing what they're getting up to, so we wanted you to know they were out there Wednesdays at noon. 
You can listen to the entire podcast by downloading it from the Joy website, joy.org.au forward slash lunchbox, or download it from the iTunes store. You're listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. You're on Lunchbox, the best bits of breakfast and drive with bass, and we're going to be talking arias with Murphy's Law. <laughs> You're on Joy. Now listen, last night, yes. big night of night, oh, Australian night of music industry, the Aria Awards oh. of 2015. Now I had to go to bed early because I had to come and try and talk some nonsense with yes. you lot. So, I watched the first award, uh, which was Song of the Year. Song of the Year. I, I don't know if I've ever seen the Arias before. I can't remember seeing the Arias before. There was a lot of nominations. A lot. So many, in fact. I was literally waiting for my own name to be called out. <laughs> like it just kept going I've and going. I've heard you sing. I can't believe <laughs> you didn't get nominated. I was very disappointed to see that Delta didn't get an Delta didn't that, get though. a nod. You know. Well, as one of the 700 people who actually gets the vote in the uh, nomination process and the final vote, I definitely voted for Delta. Yeah, so, see, now yeah. I'm, this is not... I'm, my mm, smells are mm, rat. Yes. And that's not good, because that song, out of anything that she's done, yep. that was hot. So not sure about that. What I did see this morning in the early hours, which made me very happy inside, was Tina Arena performing alongside the Veronicas and... <laughs> Murphy's Law, Jessica Malbell. Yeah. Um, just as a side note, I realise that Jess has sacked the stylist. Jessica Malbell yes. has sacked her stylist, but I'm, I'm just... Jess, she she I, needs a new one. I think, I think you need to hire a new one. Because <laughs> I was... Look, can't fault her voice. No. What were you wearing? Yeah. Looked like a potato sack. Anyway. <clears throat> sorry, but it did. Yeah. Anyway. And she was alongside Tina Arena, who's looking sleek as in those Oof. two little Veronica's. Did no, I tell I just, you Jess is coming? No, no. Don't tell <laughs> Oh, look. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, that was, just, that was just distracting to me. But anyway, I love you, Jessica Melbourne. She'll be asleep. They would have part- They're still partying. Mm. I bet you there'd, there'd be some secrets from that place tonight. God, wouldn't there? Mm. Oh, God. Leo will have all the secrets. Yes. Bloody Leo. Actually, no. Good on you, Leo. You deserve to go. Anyway, um, she had a fabulous speech. Yes. She was inducted. This is Tina Arena. Was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Good on her. For that, yeah. she's been around forever. We all grew up with her. Unreal. Um, she stood and she called on commercial radio to continue to support Australian music on the quality of the song and not the age of the artist. Excellent. And don't meet your Australian quotas because you have to exceed them because you want to. Then she also went on to um, talk about um, she wanted to hit out at ageism. Uh, and she called out Madonna, J- Jennifer Lopez, Annie Lennox and Kylie for their continued excellence in the face of discrimination. Ladies over 40, she said, are still in the game. We will decide when it is time for us to stop. Yeah. Here, bloody yeah, here. Well is our, Can we have the Memphis yeah. little clap for that? Joy 94.9. Australia's best radio station. Murphy's Law, who you can always catch on Friday in mornings from 6am to 9am. <laughs> and it's Anna and Dean. But filling in for Dean is Chris, our program director, who is always funny, always hilarious on his show, The CNC Drive Factory. But Tina Arena speaking about ageism. Good on you. You know, I still want some great songs from all the older artists. And, uh, you know, I'm still dancing around to your songs, Tina. I'm still dancing around to Kylie's song. But funnily enough, Kylie just released 100 Degrees, which sounds a little bit like a disco song. But you know what? I'm still dancing to it because it's relevant. It's fresh. It's good. But here's part two of the interview. and or Not the interview, but a segment. And listen to all the goss. You're on Joy. Good job. On a different note. Yes. Should we go through some of the winners? Yes. And look, I'm not sure whether this will surprise anyone at all, but I don't know most of the people on the list. (laughs) That's why we've got our music director in here today. 
Dean hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah. We just brought him yeah. in as the, uh, I, I the will, voice of I, reason. I will point out I'm the music director for the gayest, poppiest radio station in Australia. Right. right. So half so of these are played yeah. on yeah. Right. That's okay. We'll That's go through the list. Yes. Album of the year. Tame Impala. Mm. What's that? <laughs> what is a Tame Impala? What is a Tame Impala? They're a psychedelic rock group. Psychedelic rock? Oh. Mm. From Perth. Mm. Oh. Ooh. Not a lot to do over mm. there except take your... Psychedelic things. <laughs> very, very, can I say very big on the Jays? Oh, of oh, course. Yes. Right. And a lot of this would be driven by the oh, Jays. Yeah. yeah. Our national radio. Oh, we love station. the Jays. It's used to. Next one, we do know him, Conrad Sewell. Mm-hmm. Song of the Year. But don't, no start again. That's, don't, that's the ballad we didn't play. Right, okay. Right. Yeah. Good. <laughs> All right. This, this list is breakthrough artists. Courtney Barnett. Who? Who? Oh dear! Oh yeah! What? Well, what are you, what's, what's, yeah. she's very she's very popular with the girls. I have to Is say, she? She, she's very indie, right? Very very indie. What does she play? She's got a, a her best known song is a song called Depreston, which is <laughs> actually about watch. being. Depressed about real estate prices in Preston. (laughs) (laughs) Gay radio online all the time. Joy 94.9. If you find yourself living in Preston and you're a little bit depressed, I think that's a perfect song for you, especially if you're depressed about the housing prices. Like, Depreston. There's literally a song for everything, and who else but Anna and Dean to talk about it amazingly so. And as many of you passionate Joy listeners know, Anna and Dean, you know, they're taking not a massive hiatus, but Dean's travelling for a little bit, so Anna was joined by our program director, Chris Jameson. Now, what do they talk about while Dean's away? (laughs) The one, the only, Justin Bieber. You are listening to Murphy's Law, minus my brother. (laughs) God, there's a sense of freedom in here today, isn't there? <laughs> and I can say that because I know that he's on a plane right now and can't hear us. <laughs> so let's let rip yeah, for let a minute. Rip. In on. fact, I'm going to have a go just it's quickly. Not only, before... I was going to say not only more entertaining, but much better well run as well. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. The clock while, he's on, while he's on the plane. While he's on the plane. <laughs> and then we just, by, by the time it lands, we will just all put it back together. Shh, nothing very happened. Polite. Nothing happened at all. It's very uneventful. Whilst he's on that plane... I'm going to rip into Justin Bieber as well. <laughs> yes. Okay. I wasn't going to do it. Nah, but I was going to do something else, but I better do it now because he's yeah. on the plane. Can I just say, right? I know this con- it's a contentious issue anyway, Ooh. but we all know how much Dean Murphy loves. Loves. He's a true believer. He's yeah. a true believer. And look, I've had a lot of problem with understanding that. <laughs> Me too. And I've given up. <laughs> I don't understand. I do, will never understand that, right? That's fine. But recently, I was kind of jumping on board the believer train. Mm-hmm. I was. And the album's coming out. Really good. And you know what? We haven't heard anything from him. You're the music man. How, how many years? Since? It, was a, it was three years, I think, since the last album. Wow. So three years that kid's been out of the spotlight. Oh. He's worth $200 million, right? I'm thinking life's pretty crazy in the Bieber camp. We come out, we put an amazing album that people across the globe are going, I'm really sorry, but it's really good. Uh, let's. He does a couple of... Promos, Ellen, for a week. That can't be a tough gig. I'm thinking that being a musician and going into the studio, that's a fun, creative process. That should be enjoyable. (gasps) He's already gone off on sick stress leave. Yeah, come on. (laughs) He's 21. 
one. How can you be exhausted at 21? Oh, it's tough, though, isn't it? What you, what's tough about it? <laughs> oh, I've just got to get up and perform, well, which is what I want to do. Time, he spends time in the tattoo parlour and the hairdresser like you do. See? <laughs> it's stressful. Do you know you what? Might. I'm 42 <laughs> and I've been getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning for four years for this gig and I don't ever get paid, Justin Bieber. You are a snotty little brat. Anyway, that's my Belieber <laughs> session while Dean Murphy's on the plane. Murphy's Law this morning without my brother, who was supposed to be on a plane right now and um, uh, isn't. Hello, Dean Murphy. No, my plane was delayed for two hours. And can oh. I just tell you, you're all a bunch of bitches. How does <laughs> Justin Bieber like that? That is disgusting. Oh, come on. Doll, he's already what? going off on sick leave. Listen, I've been doing that show with you for four years. You get tired after two and a half hours and have to go home for a dinner nap afterwards. I said, in my so defence, I'm 42 you? and I'm doing it for free. Don't be rude. You're hardly the poster girl for endurance. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously. So tell us where you're headed to, Dean Murphy, because we uh, miss you in here. Oh, well, I, well this week I've, I've been running 50th birthday celebrations for the Australian Conservation Foundation. How did that week, go? Going, oh, yeah, well, that's, I'll save it for next week. Right, no, okay. Interesting <laughs> stories. And this, this weekend I'm going off to an 80th birthday party, so I think I found the people. You have. You found your posse. I should start doing dance parties in nursing homes. <laughs> yes, you sh- yes, you yes. should. There's a market, yeah. untapped market. Well, please um, enjoy uh, the rest of the oh, show thanks. now that we know I, that you're listening. I miss you all terribly. We, we wish I miss you, you terribly. Too. The show's sounding great. Oh. They make it too good or they won't ask me back. No. That's all right. Dull. We stopped doing that years ago. You keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> no one else wants to get up at four o'clock on a Friday, Dull. It's just you and I. Thank you. Yeah. Have fun, guys. We I'll will see you next week. travel safely. Uh, uh, Dean. Oh, Dean, Dean, Dean. Dean, this is for you. Oh. It's, one oh, di- it's One Direction. <laughs> I love it. I love Boy Band. <laughs> You're a job. The world's most uplifting radio station. Joy 94.9. Anna and Dean are just a hilarious duo. Make sure you guys tune in every Friday morning from 6.30 to 9am for their breakfast show. It's always hilarious. I always love playing their segments. It's definitely something fun and we all love. You're listening to a little pod of Joy on Joy 94.9 with your hosts, Andrea and Alice. Up next, Jackson Greta. The update we've all been waiting for. Greta gives directions while on her journey to becoming mayor of Melbourne or anywhere else. Over the weekend, Jax attended another wedding. One of her favourite pastimes, it seems. Much to her friend's surprise, she is actually in a relationship. And it's time for the update we've all been waiting for. Jackie has a new update on her neighbour's stripper pole. Greta hatches a plot to get a closer look at the pole and its possibilities. You can listen to the entire podcast by downloading it from the Joy website, joy.org.au forward slash Jackson Greta, or download it from the iTunes store. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. We're going to be starting now, baby. Jackson Greta on Joy. (laughs) Good afternoon, everyone. How are you doing, G? I'm so excited. Haven't I got a big smile? You do indeed. It's Jackson Greta here. And we haven't seen each other in a while, so we're basically just going to have a catch-up for the yeah, next three hours. We honestly considered just catching up. <laughs> and then we thought that might... I mean, it would be interesting for us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's about it. But, but yeah, very little for anyone else. So instead... You know, what are we doing? Well, we've, I gave directions the other day. <laughs> and I got interrupted by tourists. How very dare they? How dare they? This is your town. This is my town. 
Well, look. Yes. Jackie. I'm listening. I ride trams a lot. You do, Greta. And I've lived in Melbourne for 30 years. <laughs> My, that sounds like a long time, doesn't it? Doesn't it? No offence to your, you or your age. Not at all. I've had, you know, I've, I've been to a handful of places, to be honest. <laughs> She's never been to St Kilda. <laughs> <laughs> One day. One day. Um... So I'm always on the trams. Yes. So, And there's something about my face. People often ask me for directions. You're friendly. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. And so it happens quite a bit and it's fine. This is what I'm here for. This is why one day I'll be mayor, right? <laughs> and oh, that it, dream is still alive, oh obviously. My, a, a real dream never dies, Jackie. <laughs> anyway, so I, I'm on this tram, mm-hmm. minding my own business with my friendly face, when a nice elderly <laughs> woman comes up to me and says, you know, how do, where, where, is, where does this tram go? What journey does it take? Yes. Because people sometimes do get a bit anxious on trams, right? Well, trams are weird if you've never been on one because it tells you the final destination. It doesn't tell you anything in between, does it? Exactly. Mm. So we get on and I say, well, look, it's going to turn a corner here, turn a corner there. You'll be on Ligon Street. It's all going to be fine. Yes. And, you know, I could tell she was a bit worried and she asked another question and then suddenly, out of nowhere, two people who were tourists, and I knew they were tourists because... Their giant lonely planet and yeah. their binoculars <laughs> hanging around their neck. Yes, exactly. And how they had their passport carefully strapped to their body so they can't shower or... Was there know. a bum bag? I hope so. I w- you know I would have liked that. Yeah. They interrupted and started to give some directions also. How very dare they? I was a bit like, oh... Do you mind? I want to go to your state, they're Australian, or territory, and, and just dish out directions. Just have your 30-year badge of honour on <laughs> your chest constantly and just flick it and look at them. Thank you. <laughs> So that happened, whatever, fine. Rude Every woman wasn't that interested in their advice, was good. more keen on mine. Oh, that's good. Asked another question, kept going, fine, whatever. Elderly woman gets off. She's happy. I'm happy. She found her way to Ligon Street. Melbourne's mayor has done her job. <laughs> and the tourists turn to me and go, um, we're just, we just need to get off at... Um, Picton Street. Um, could you tell us where that stop is? Were you wearing your like Melbourne potential mayor hat that day? Wait, was there a line of people waiting to ask you advice? But seriously, you cannot give directions and then ask for directions. <laughs> that is against the directions rule. I just and I was very. I held my. You know, a good mayor has poise. Yes. So I was very calm and, oh, you know, it's just three stops away, you bloody interrupting tourists. (laughs) You interrupting interrupters. Yes. Well. uh, Yeah, so that's my first bid for mayor. I'm (laughs) I'm glad you kept you cool. Thank you. Until now. (laughs) And, gee, I spent my weekend doing what I seem to do every weekend. Now (laughs) I went to a wedding. Oh, isn't love nice? You should become a celebrant. No, I will not. <laughs> but this one was a weird one. It was with someone, oh, the people getting married were, were people that I don't actually see very often. Right. Um, I see very rarely, to be honest, like maybe once a year. Mm-hmm. And um, they're friends from university. Uh-huh. Of which I have few friends left. <laughs> let me tell you better. Um, very few. He's, he is the only one that I would see out of, out of my uni friends anymore. Just because, you know, you grow apart. People change. People change. So I went there on my Pat Malone, knowing that I would only know uni people that I now no longer speak to. So it's almost like going to a reunion. Yes. For you. Yes, that's exactly what it was like, Greta. Hmm. And um, strolled in, you know, you immediately get a drink so you have something to do and something to hold. 
chatted to all of them and kind of fell back into that casual conversation, the kind of, um, I don't know how to explain it, it's the kind of, the kind of witty rapper, repertoire. Is that a word? Repertoire? Repertoire? I don't know. Oh, gosh. Anyway, the general chit-chat that you would normally go into a few years back. And um, So you all sort of went back into the, yeah. the roles that you played in the friendship yeah. group back in the day. Okay. Yeah, and I made a wise crack about my cat and mm-hmm. then naturally because people are generally very unoriginal, oh, you're a crazy cat lady, are you? Anyway, so these kind of comments continued throughout the evening and at, at, at no point, in fact, at several points, <laughs> people made a joke about how I might be single for the rest of my life. Ah. Which I thought was interesting because I was like, you haven't actually asked me if I'm dating anyone. Which I am, <laughs> you rude pigs. I'd break down if someone said that to me. I would cry. It must have been my, my shtick back in uni that I was the single gal. Right. And everyone still kind of saw me as that. So eventually one person very kindly said to me, um, oh, I, I noticed on Facebook that you're seeing someone. They must have seen a photo of us pop up. I said, yes, I am. We actually live together now. And from down the end of the table, not even involved in the conversation, it was like it was like something shattered and everyone kind of silent, like went silent. And he, he just he yelled out, wait, do you have a boyfriend? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, is it that unbelievable? <laughs> is it really that shocking? Just so you all know, <laughs> Jackie's pretty good looking. Oh, thanks, G. You know, this is a lesbian point of view. She's not really my type, but... I beg your pardon. Personality-wise, you are. <laughs> but, you know, she's hot. Do you think that's rude? Not that that's all that relationships are about, but no. it's a good start. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I think that's really rude. Right? Yes. Like, genuine a wedding shock well. that, I, mm. that someone could love me. <laughs> <laughs> well, they haven't met Zach, have they? <laughs> I was upset. Uh, yeah, I don't blame you. So, Tim... Good luck with your podiatry. You jerk. (laughs) No, it's fine. I'm okay now. You're listening to Jackson Greta. And it's happened. It's here. I have an update. Finally. (laughs) The moment we've all been waiting for. Me in particular. Yeah. To give it a bit of context, right? So for people who have just joined us, perhaps. um, I have neighbours, obviously. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Jackie lives in a field. Alone. And um, we live in a, in a set of a set of units, uh, and I live down the very back of this block of units. So I have to walk past everyone's house to get to my own. And um, every single person in this block has their blinds closed, except for my direct neighbours, who always have their blinds open and have a stripper pole recently installed in their living room. It's still funny. <laughs> it's still funny, right? Yeah. So, guess what happened? I can't. I actually can't. About a week ago, mm. I heard the poor couple have a bit of a tiff. They had a bit of a fight. Okay. Right? It happens. The, it's a cheap house. The walls are very thin. Can hear pretty much everything that happens in their lives. You know, I feel involved, to be honest. <laughs> You're invested. <laughs> yeah. They had a fight and and then there was silence. And then I noticed the, the car in the driveway was gone. Their car was gone. And I thought, oh, interesting. But clearly someone still in the house. Right. So one of the couple has left in the right. car. This is the assumption. Uh-huh. So I thought, wow, that's a that's a rough fight, you know. The blinds were closed for the first time ever, but the lights were on inside and you could kind of hear someone quietly shuffling around, you know. So I knew that at least one person was there. So I thought, wow, that's serious. You know, I hope, I hope she's okay or he's okay. You know, I hope they're, they're fine. 
Um, the next day, car still not there. Another night went by, car still not there, still someone clearly in the house. Third day goes by, car still not there. And at about midnight, I hear a, a small child crying from next door. <laughs> no one saw this coming. Yep, yep. And then they ran the child a bath at midnight. Wow, you really... I can hear a lot. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, they don't use the bath often, so it has an interesting sound at midnight. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know what's going on. This is really, really weird, okay? Mm. The next day, walked by, car still not there. The car's still not there today. So it's been it's been a, like 10 days or something. Um, and we have a painter at the house painting, painting you know, the house. <laughs> <laughs> painting the family portrait. And um, I said, I said, do you know what's going on next door? Because I heard a kid there last night and he's like, yeah, I um, I asked them and they've um, put the house up. They're subletting the house on a popular holiday destination website. Oh, this happened to us too. Mm. I was like, really? Because the house is pretty shit, you know? <laughs> and looked in the window, noted... The stripper pole is still there. Hang on. So they have rented out their apartment for, for tourists, people, yes. locals and to stay in. And there have been a different group of people every night. We found the listing on this website. Charming Garden Oasis, it says. No, no offence to your No, There's apartment. no garden. There's House. no garden. <laughs> there's literally no garden. Like, it's ridiculous. There's a tree next door that overhangs the driveway. Like, there are some trees, but not in anyone's stretch of <laughs> anywhere in the world's imagination is it an oasis. So we thought, what have they said about the stripper pole in the listing? Guess what they said? What? Nothing. They did not mention <laughs> in the listing that there is a stripper pole installed in their living room. And yet there's an oasis that no one can see. <laughs> Literally, but these tourists are coming in. Oh, Brunswick East is quite nice, isn't it? Oh, look at this house. What is that? <laughs> Jackie, it's quite simple. Extremely simple. Mm. I will book a night, <laughs> but I'll give you and Zach the keys. <laughs> no, actually, you and I will stay. I don't want to go in that I'll house. <laughs> you and I will stay for a night next to your apartment. Use the pole. <laughs> I can't. I can't. We can do it. and we are. All this right. is happening. Let's get this organised. <laughs> We're staying overnight. <laughs> You're on Joy 94.9 and this little pot of joy with Andrea and Alice. And I just love that song, X's and O's by Ellie King. Up next, we have, a, we have second breakfast. Helen Pankhurst. Sonia has the great honour to interview Dr. Helen Pankhurst, an absolute icon and a direct descendant of Emmeline Pankhurst, the steely Edwardian matriarch famously photographed being hoisted away from a protest at the gates of Buckingham Palace by a policeman. Dr. Helen Pankhurst is Senior Advisor for the Water Team of Care USA and Ambassador for Care International. She is in Australia to travel with the very first screening previews of Suffragette. The new movie based on the suffragette feminist movement in the UK from the early 20th century. This is a great interview and you can download the entire podcast from the Joy website, joy.org.au forward slash joy interview highlights or from the iTunes store. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. It is a little over three months since I last stood on this platform on the eve of an Old Bailey trial. The outcome of that trial was I was sent to three years penal servitude. 
And in a little over three months, I stand here again. At that last meeting, I tried to make my audience understand the reason why women are rebels. We are rebels. And yet I and all other women have justification for rebellion, which neither any other man in the so-called United Kingdom has. They have a constitutional means of, of obtaining redress for their grievances. Women have no such means. I say we are rebels because there is no other way open to us of obtaining redress for the grievances, the grave grievances which women have. You know, there's something worse than apparent failure, and that is to allow yourself to desist from doing something that you are convinced in your conscience is right. And I know that women once convinced that they are doing what is right, that their rebellion is just, will go on, no matter what the difficulties, no matter what the dangers, so long as there is a woman alive to hold up the flag of rebellion. And at any rate, the movement is not going to die, and that is all that matters. We shall break laws in order to get our own way. They know perfectly well that we are breaking the laws because we have had no voice in making them. Because whether just or unjust, we have to submit to them because we are taxed without being represented. I mean to be a voter in the land that gave me birth. so incredibly proud to be uh, related to such amazing women mm. in more than one the whole generations of it yes. and and you know the issues are still so pertinent so the the baton has been handed down i feel very strongly that it can now be done in democratic ways the whole of my career has been around women's rights and international development as a consequence of those two factors being born in ethiopia yes. and with this whole um, feminist legacy it's quite amazing. It's quite amazing. You couldn't make this up, <laughs> as they say, you know. You know, whether there is inevitably a perpetuation of strong stories, if you have mm. a strong mother who talks to her children in a way that they inherit that strength about particular social issues or anything, really, mm. then they will pass it on, etc., etc. So it's a positive circle and... Um, probably replicated you know in so many ways mm. uh, and that's what we need more of isn't it we yeah, need more true. women standing up and being as forceful in their demands for their role in society mm. and passing that on to their children for change yes yes This is Sonia here for Joy ninety four point nine, and uh, speaking to Helen Helen Pankhurst, a woman who's come a very long way for a very special film, a very engaging film, a film that uh, has taken many years for that sort of topic to reach. I guess a Hollywood proportion, the kind of film that gets released on a Boxing Day, which is what's happening this year. It's for Suffragette. Time is now is the uh, catchphrase. And certainly it's timely to have you here in the studio at Joy. I want to welcome you this morning, Helen Pankhurst. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's amazing. It is amazing. What a journey. Um, come this far with such a, such a film of its so, you know, such importance. Can you tell us a little bit about the film for those who may not be aware? Yeah, so it's a film called Suffragette about mm. a woman who, until halfway through the film, actually keeps on saying, I'm not a suffragette. Mm. So it's about a woman who 
in 1912 becomes almost despite herself involved in the suffrage movement the movement to get women the vote yes and this mm. movement was led by emmeline pankhurst my great grandmother so the film talks about emmeline a little bit but more focuses on an individual woman's journey mm. to become political to get involved in the fight and the personal sacrifices that are involved yes yes certainly it's this person obviously the character is based upon several different i guess key key characters but also you know smaller characters that existed That's at the right. time yes so the film has four or five central characters and mm. of those only two well known as individuals historical characters mm. emily wilding davison who plays a critical moment in the film yes and emmeline emmeline pankhurst the yeah. others are composite characters. Yes, yes, which I guess uh, gives it the fuel to be able to affect more people, I guess, more generally, hopefully. That's right. I think the idea of a of the central character being a, a not, not a historical person meant that you were into her life and you could follow it, whereas mm. a biopic of a single historical character would have meant a certain distance mm. from the from the key person. I think that was a very clever device to pull us all in. So we all mm. become Maud as we watch the film. Yes, Maud Watts played uh, amazingly, I think, by Carrie Mulligan, who, uh, just looking online, she spent about a year, I believe, doing some research. And uh, Did you meet her? Did you meet the cast? I did, I did. Mm. And Sarah Gavron, the director, spent seven yes. years over this whole project. Wow. So it's very much a work of love, uh, almost a testament by women in the whole film industry. So Sarah Gavron, a woman, mm. the director, um, the producers, the script writers, the main characters, all really strong women yes. producing a film about... Uh, women's rights are very much a testament to it all. And I think as we watch the film, it's a reminder of how much still needs to be done in every single country in that regard. Exactly. Yes, so it's got quite a, a booty of awesome women in it uh, and also yeah, creating it and have made it uh, directed, as you said, by Sarah Gavron, uh, written by Abby Morgan, produced by Faye Ward and Alison Owen. And we have uh, the wonderful Carrie Mulligan. Someone who really stood out was Helena Bonham Carter, and her role. And that's quite interesting mm. because she comes, she is the great, great granddaughter of uh, Herbert Asquith, the Prime Minister who, above oh. all else, um, was the character who delayed women getting oh, the vote in the UK. Dear. So <laughs> when she was approached about playing yeah. this role with some trepidation, there was a fear that she might not want to play a suffragette. But actually, her response was not a bit of it. And yes. we had a, uh, it was really interesting. Hold her back because yes. it would be like. Mm, making uh, some sort of you know amends, amends I know. And for an actress, that would have been very interesting. It's also got Brendan Gleeson, one of the few men that has quite a pivotal role, and Anne-Marie Duff, Ben Wishaw, of course, and uh, the wonderful uh, Meryl Streep, who plays your great-grandmother. That's mm. right. She comes in. It's a very small, it's a cameo role, and Pretty very much. interesting, mm. actually, because... Just by being in it, she's raised the visibility of the film. So, mm. you know, as an iconic uh, actor, to have her in the film has been powerful. And she's mimicked the fact that uh, Emmeline Pankhurst was an iconic feminist leader of the movement. 
who would have really not been very well known by the foot soldiers. So Maud sees mm. Emmeline once and that's it. So the two are very much in parallel with um, the, hit, the, the story and mm. the reality are kind of... Interesting. I haven't thought of it like that. So really, Emmeline Pankhurst is some sort of iconic, even in that time, a celebrity, Indeed. you could say, within the movement itself and someone you see from afar. It's almost like queen-like uh, atmosphere, you know, a royal atmosphere yep. when she greets the crowds yep. on a balcony, exactly. just like the queen exactly. or, you know, a celebrity. Yeah. Not quite the Kardashians, thankfully, but anyway. (laughs) Save us from that. Now, I also want to look at, touch on your own career and um, this incredible journey and being a Pankhurst. I mean, when did you, when were you aware that something genetic was going on here, that there was uh, this force of your family, you know, this great... So I was born and brought up in Ethiopia, mm. yes. and there um, my surname is well known because my father is a historian who writes about oh. Ethiopian history. Right. So I knew that rather than the association with the suffragette movement and women's rights. But okay. whenever I came to the UK for the holidays, mm. people would ask me about the surname and mm. um, be quite amazed that I was related to Emmeline. Mm. So I found that I had to ask more and more questions and find out. And the more I found out, the more interesting it was and the more interesting it was, the more involved I became. And mm. um, so the whole of my career has been around women's rights and international development as a consequence of those two factors, being born in Ethiopia yes. and with this whole um, feminist legacy. You're listening to Joy 94.9 and this is a little pot of joy with Andrea and Alice. We've come to the end of another evening of a little pot of joy. There are so many more programs on Joy 94.9 producing such a diverse range of content and podcasts. Even your favourite programs from the past will have a podcast, so you can go back and listen to your favourite Joy moments. You can find the complete podcast from tonight's show on the Joy website, joy.org.au, or download them for free from the iTunes store. You've been listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. See joy.org.au and click on our podcast link to subscribe to your favourite podcasts free. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.